Yo and hello! Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. And we're wondering, do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? I, I think it might be a national collective hallucination, but we're, we're not entirely sure. Maybe one of these times we should like just give, just pause and give time for response. Like this is an interactive <laughs> experience. We're listening. So Sam, we've got a very special guest to the pod this week. Would, would you like to introduce them? He's the man I'm going to marry. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have multi-talented musician, local gamer dude, uh, Hubert Olowski joining us today. And I wasn't kidding. He is the man I'm going to marry. Uh, Hubert, and going? that was her vows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now we're married. The end. <laughs> uh, as my first decree after being married, I'd like to introduce myself. Hi. Oh. <laughs> It's an interesting decree. I don't know if it's a <laughs> You must follow my demands. Hello. <laughs> yes. Hubert's joined us particularly out of interest for the CanCon commercial break, which are, we're excited to get to eventually. But first, as always, we got to go through the first half of our episode. And which episode are we looking at today, Jody? So we're looking at season two, episode 12, Daddy Dearest. First aired December 3rd, 2004, written by Lisa Steele and directed by Graham Lynch. We do get a uh, guest star in this one. We get Tony Craig as Dr. Carlisle, who is the um, eponymous daddy of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, it is me, eponymous daddy. (laughs) I am the eponymous daddy. I'll I'll take that as a band name (laughs) for 400, Alex. It's very good. So um, in my quest to find some info about Tony Craig, I came across his IMDb bio. And I think that I'm just (gasps) going to share that and we're going to enjoy it. Oh, I'm so glad. Tony Craig is a performer whose abilities apparently know few boundaries. He's an accomplished musician and has performed live on stage as a singer slash drummer with Ben E. King, Etta James, Martha Reeves, Mary Wells, Sam and Dave, The Mighty Sparrow, to name just a few. As a songwriter and session musician, he has recorded albums with artists such as Dominic Troiano and Eddie Schwartz, Carol Pope and Rough Trade Dan Hill, and many others. Now a landed immigrant in Canada, Trinidad-born Craig came to the far north as a result of expanding his career. Performing in a band gave him his chance to try out another country, and he humorously related that in all the years he'd sung classic White Christmas, he hadn't realized just what it meant until he moved to the cold and snowy climate of Canada. The novelty lasted only so long, but Tony relishes the cold weather now. How did he get into acting? His career change resulted from his recording studio in Toronto being robbed. To get his mind off the disaster, his girlfriend took to a movie set as an extra. Little did Tony know that he would be offered a larger role in John Grin's Christmas opposite Robert Guillaume, Jeffrey Holder, and Roscoe Lee Brown, which led to a new career. Over the next decade, he appeared as a guest star in a variety of television series, such as Forever Night, Tech War, Kung Fu The Legend Continues, and Top Cops. On the big screen, he has had roles in Disney's The Ref and Soul Survivor. His latest work is in the Showtime cable movie, The Sweetest Gift, in which he plays a biker and romantic interest of Tisha Campbell, also starring Deanne Carroll and Helen Shaver. The Journey of Tony Craig. I really appreciate that part of his uh, bio was just his relationship to Canadian winters. <laughs> yeah, if, if that doesn't read like a bio that somebody went in and edited and wrote themselves, I love it. It's very <laughs> well, good. Well, it, it was attributed to somebody else. I didn't get their name. It was Elise, oh. but I can't remember her last name, but it did say who it was written by. 
So uh, unless unless he's a ghost writer, you never know. <laughs> it's a ghost named Elise when he writes. <laughs> Sammy, do you know what a ghostwriter is? I, I, I do. I don't know why. I don't know why I went to an actual ghost. We need to talk about something. Well, then I guess it's a good thing we're on the phone, isn't it? So we kick off the episode with Robbie and Kim doing their typical sneaky, not sneaky thing <laughs> where Kim calls Robbie in the hallway and like we get this great scene of all the students freaking out when a cell phone goes off and they're like, oh, is it mine? But it turns out it's Robbie's and he and Kim have this conversation around their corner of a hallway and Kim reveals that she thinks it's time for Robbie to meet her dad, which is kind of weird because they're not even... They're not even really official as I I have a hard time placing where Robbie and Kim are on the whole relationship thing because it's like they're kind of dating but they're not really dating but now it's time to meet Kim's dad I guess. <laughs> I also just like like that as a concept of like you come meet my parents like it's like the big relationship milestone but these are teenagers who live with their parents and if they had spent any time at each other's houses they would have had to have met the parents which is just what you do when you're a kid you just meet people's parents all the time yeah be like hi mr kim's dad you know (laughs) that kind of energy it's very good i do like that like they're still trying to keep up this secret relationship bit but they spend all of their time in like a windowed room where everybody in the hallway can just stop and look in and see that it's just the two of them. I have been writing songs since before I could ride a bike. This time is no different. Good, because Roscoe Soundwave is coming up and your last single is getting kind of played out. Thanks, Travis. But on the other side of relationship drama in this episode, uh, we see Travis teasing Lily in the cafeteria as she's trying to... Um, I guess, write some songs for the band, but she clearly isn't able to get anything done. And the two of them are interrupted by Ray and Grace, who are apparently now an item after being set up in the previous episode by Lily in kind of a a desperate moment. And um, we even get, you know, Ray goofing off and Grace going to punch his arm on Lily's behalf, which is the move. It's the move. You can't do that. You're not Lily. But yeah, and then she doesn't, she says she doesn't know what to write about. And Grace is like, you should write about the two of us in the way that you and fate brought us together. And Lily snaps her pencil and storms out. And uh, Lily's going to run out of pencils. She's been snapping a lot of pencils. So many pencils. The waiter has just set down a fine appetizer of foie gras. Which knife do you use? First of all, what is foie gras? It's goose liver. Oh, so fancy spam. Later in the radio station, Kim is now giving Robbie a full-on dining etiquette lesson. Like, she's spread out, like, a placemat with a plate and, like, cutlery all over, like, the mixer or something. (laughs) And it's like, that's not practical. Just find a flat surface. (laughs) There is a cafeteria where you could reasonably hang out with somebody and have a plate in front of you, and it's not weird. (laughs) Yes, that's so true. Um, But Robbie's, you know clearly having kind of a a rough time with it but kim's kind of grilling him on what her dad likes to talk about and which fancy fork you use for foie gras um and then river comes in to talk to kim about cougar radio stuff and kim makes up the excuse that robbie's there because he's taking an edit class and kim's helping him out 
and river smarmy as ever like kind of says oh well don't forget to work your way from the outside in and then he leaves and it's just like ugh, i i can't i i just i i can't i'm such like a i'm so grateful that uh my fiance who's right here uh, <laughs> that in both of our cases our parents are just like chill <laughs> like i can't imagine if i had to do like a whole like preparation thing to go meet the parents like oh ugh, my no god thanks. yeah did you guys ever have that as a kid where you uh you had to meet somebody important um and it became like this really stressful thing like you had to meet uh, a prince a school principal or um for me it, for mm. me it was like meeting a new piano teacher it was always like the most stressful thing i had to like prove my worth almost um and it, and it became this thing where like if, if you if you said the wrong thing or you looked the wrong way or you weren't dressed to the nines you just felt like you were worthless and so like my whole framework growing up was uh you know if i meet an adult i have to act this way and and do these things to get in with them and and make sure that they know that i'm worth something <laughs> and it was really stressful and and then, and then you grow up and you realize no people are just okay they're fine to, to be around but like th that impending doom was always kind of with me growing up i'm picturing a piano teacher now balancing a little plate of fo foie gras on the on the piano and being like which fork do you use <laughs> tiny hubert doug you're on the air oh, i had a big chemistry test so to free up my mind i grabbed my board and rode the half pipe and you aced the test no but i got two extra weeks to study for it i broke my arm <laughs> in the broadcast for the day the uh the crew is talking about who who you depend on in times of trouble or like what you do to kind of you know get yourself past a a, a creative block because they're they're trying to help lily out as she's still kind of like you know unable to think of song stuff and so they take a couple of calls one of those calls is from somebody named Swith, which is is that a name? A shout out, yeah. Actually, Hubert, uh, one of the story editors for Radio Free Roscoe is named Swith Bell, so it's a hundred percent a Swith Bell reference. I think it's safe to say. And, and the one before that is from Doug, which, following that logic, must be for <gasps> Doug McRob. Doug McRob. Oh my gosh, I love little like winks to the crew like that. And now mm -hmm. that we've come to intimately know all the crew members of the show, it's just. Like, <laughs> An added bonus. I'm I'm very committed to the George jacket being in honor of the DOP. So they have a couple of Collins. One of the Collins mentions that she always counts on her friends, and Ray as Pronto says, you know, friends are great, but nothing's better than romance. And you can just see it's actually a great acting moment from Kate Todd because she's like kind of smiling over at Ray, and then you just see the smile kind of like leave her face, and she's like, fuck. <laughs> 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 Yeah, well, we we get this um, bit right before they go back on air as, you know, they're on break for music of Ray being like, something must be bothering you because he knows her really well. And he's like, well, you should try to, to think of something else, like me. And you just see her go, oh, my God. Lily, are you sure this is the best tie your dad has? What about that one with the hula dancer on? Oh, his fancy tie? For special occasions only. We see that Lily's way of getting her mind off of things is to help Robbie uh, get dressed for this big night. She's helping him tie his tie. She's over at his place and she's lent him her dad's uh, tie, her his best tie. And uh, Robbie's really visibly nervous. Lily's like, well, it's fine. I don't think Kim will mind. And Robbie's like, what? Kim? Who? What? 
Even though, like, it's been hinted for so long that Lily's known this whole time. And I feel like they've had an exchange where he was like, is it that obvious? They completely have. I think it's just a, we've managed to find an RFR plot hole. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine such a thing. But uh, we, we get, I guess, final confirmation that Lily does know about Robbie and Kim and is supportive of it. But she says, your secret's safe with me. And we get it's real cute. Robbie, nervous boy, uh, going to meet Kim's dad. You sat too soon. Ladies first. I'm sorry. I just, I'm a little bit nervous. Concentrate on the details we went over, and you'll do just fine. Next scene, we join Robbie and Kim in the ugliest restaurant ever. Uh, I guess it's supposed to be upscale, but it looks real bad. <laughs> it's it's so bland and so bad. Uh, they roll in. Kim is wearing. A dress that looks like something uh, one of us wore to our cousin's wedding when we were, like, 12. Oh, God. I was thinking the same thing. It looks exactly like that blue Sears dress that I had. Oh, my God. That's exactly the description. It looks like something from Sears. Yes. Yeah. Kim Kim is wearing a Sears special for, like, a Sears-tier restaurant. Sears-tier. This is just the Sears cafeteria. (laughs) I miss the Sears cafeteria. We're, we've got Sears couture. We've got Lily's dad's tie. We've got ugly restaurant where there's like three other people eating. Um, Robbie commits his first faux pas of the evening when he sits before Kim. And so the waiter seats Kim and looks at Robbie super judgmentally and just kind of like shakes his head. <laughs> Are these kids <laughs> like 15, like... 16? Is that where they're at? <laughs> Like, not even, like, 14. Like, Kim's probably 15, 16, but Robbie's 14. And the judgment from this, like, oh, man. grown adult who's supposed to be their server. Also, Ice like, they're, they're dressed like they're going to a wedding reception or something. They're, they're way out class <laughs> to be uh, at a restaurant just meeting their parents. Yeah. The, yeah. We've, we've seen the only other people in this restaurant are 80. So Yes. It's a very weird vibe. I feel like I remember the scene being so much fancier, and now seeing the restaurant again, it's like, oh wow, this sucks. <laughs> but, but maybe that's it. Maybe that's the lens. It's like we need yeah. to look, make this look like it's fancy, but like what a kid thinks fancy is, which is just there's flowers on the table and there's old people. <sighs> it's a duck. You're in luck. I'm so stuck. How badly do you suck? Lily's super stuck, hanging out in her basement, trying to make songs about lamps and ducks. It's just, it's, it's, it's a non-starter. So we get a tiny scene of that, and then we go to the restaurant where Robbie's like, freaking out, kind of stamping his feet, like it, like giving off the energy that he's gonna flip the table any second. And Kim tries to get him to calm down and says, "Don't worry, you know what? At least my mom will be here." And then of course, womp womp. Her dad shows up without her mom. I guess her mom uh, works at a hospital and just got called on call. And so it's it's just the eponymous daddy. And it's uh, it's a super intimidating time for, for Robbie or Robert as he's as he's being introduced. So he's trying to play this like f- fancy put together version of himself. He's also and, just, uh, like, received really weirdly. Like, Dr. Yeah. Carlisle comes in and, you know, gives Kim a hug and then kind of, like, slowly turns to Robbie and he's like, and who is this? As if he didn't know Robbie was going to be at dinner, which is the whole yes, point of the like, dinner. Like, wait, who? why are you here? 
who are you? And then, like, <laughs> he completely, like, dunks Robbie. Robbie says, I've heard so much about you. And he's just like... Well, Robert, I've heard nothing about you. Oh. <gasps> Ouch. Sick dad burn. That's, uh, that's rough. So, off to a shaky start there. We go to the station where Lily comes in trying to, like, you know... Get a change of space because she felt like the basement walls were closing in on her. Travis is there with his his classic chunky orange Mac laptop, which I love. And he tries to kind of help Lily calm down. He he's I guess he was IMing with Bridget again, so he signs off with Bridget and he's like, I have some mind clearing exercises for you. These'll help. And he he tries to lead her through some visualizations by basically playing multiple different water sounds. He's like it's like at the same time he's like it's raining and here's a waterfall and here's a dewdrop like it's just like it's not very relaxing at all it's just a cacophony of different water noises i like and how he has I'm, these all queued up too he's got just four channels on his mixer just running water noises all the time oh how often is he playing that dewdrop uh yeah and he's not oh, queuing them you've... they're just running he's just turning them up on his mixer <laughs> That's the thing is Travis has a whole bunch of mysterious sliders, Hubert. Like there have been, there have been so many sound effects in the show. He's cued by moving a slider up and down, so he just has continuous tracks oh. of different sound effects. Somewhere in the back, there's just and, a computer just overheating, running all these samples. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why things are con- like. It seems like Travis has multiple times electrocuted himself in the back. It's because of the constant bank of sound effects that have to run, go have to run through the slider, through the mixers. Um, and of course, you know, all these, all these water sounds. And I'm, I'm a fan of a good like rain sound or like a shower sound, but it's a little too much. And Lily's like, now I just have to pee. And it's like, womp womp. That didn't, that didn't help. What about sports? Uh, well, I kick butt at torpedo. <laughs> Maybe you can get a torpedo scholarship to college then. We pop back to dinner, which is going strangely. Dr. Carlisle immediately jumps in and asks Robbie what college he's going to. <laughs> Robbie's in the ninth grade. <laughs> it's like, calm down. Just but we do get a boy. sick. See, so small. But we do get a sick Canada reference, which, you know, further adds to the proof that this is 100% a show set in Canada. Robbie mentions he wants to go to a jur- good journalism school, like Carleton in Ottawa. And. Dr. Carlisle has the weirdest burn for it. He's like, well, I suppose any school you can skate across the Rideau Canal for is a good school. What is he up against the Rideau Canal? Yeah. Dr. Carlisle says, Kim's going to go to Harvard, which is my alma mater. And Robbie makes a joke about the color scheme of Harvard. Just trying to lighten things up. And Dr. Carlisle's like pissed. pissed. And then uh, he's so pissed. And then Robbie's like, I need some water. And he drinks out of his finger bowl which is i guess a thing they have at fancy dining i've never encountered this before but i guess i'm not really fancy enough i've been told they're a thing but i've never partaken in such an event i guess you you dunk your fingers in there a little bit in case you you know eat with your hands at the fancy restaurant i feel like uh, (laughs) fancy people just have like a repertoire of things that they pull out at the dinner table that have no purpose whatsoever but they just serve to kind of test you and see if you've gone through etiquette classes like I've seen a finger bowl once in my whole life, and I feel like it was we, like it didn't get used or anything like that. It was just there to make. <laughs> don't us drink look this, stupid. you idiot! Like, do you, oh, do you know what this yeah. is? What is this for? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's just a bunch of gotchas. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with just one fork. Just give me one fork. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I I also like just like the combination of like, you know, if there's so many forks and so many utensils and also just the, the vibe of classy rich person food, you would not be touching it with your hands. And no point yeah, are right? you using your fingies to eat the food. I, I would like to see like buffalo wild wings have l- little classy little finger bowls. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. Or like. The next time you're having a party, you bring out the bowl of Doritos and a finger bowl for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we leave our first half. Lily's still stuck for songwriting ideas and and moping over over Ray things. And Robbie's having a disastrous meeting with his on-again, off-again girlfriend's dad at a shitty restaurant. I have a feeling this is going to be very entertaining. Way too entertaining. But now it's the moment we've all been waiting for, or at least certainly Hubert's been waiting for. It's our CanCon commercial break, and this week we are talking about reboot. Oh man! Reboot is a Canadian computer animated TV series that originally aired on YTV from 1994 to 2001. It was produced by Vancouver-based Mainframe Entertainment, Alliance Communications, and BLT Productions. The animated series was created by Gavin Blair, Ian Pearson, Phil Mitchell, and John Grace, with the visuals designed by Brendan McCarthy after an initial attempt by Ian Gibson. It was one of the world's first CGI television series. So Mainframe was actually kind of a big pioneer in doing computer-generated entertainment. There's an article from the LA Times, actually, from 1994 about Reboot, and uh, talking about how it was like, pioneering for its time like it actually reboot started releasing just before toy story even came out um which is kind of wild to think about my favorite part of the la times article though is they talk about test audiences um so uh in the u.s reboot was aired on abc just the first two seasons and so from from the la times uh so far abc says Audience response has been good, with the show ranking in the top 10 among children ages 2 to 11, its target audience. The show is also airing in Canada, and in January will be seen during primetime in England. It's cool, said William, a third grader at Western Avenue Elementary School in Los Angeles after being shown a tape of Reboot with his class. It moves in a way that people can't move, observed Relin, one of William's classmates. It's creative. How wild would it be to be like in a classroom? It's like, okay, kids, you're going to watch this TV show and just tell us what you think. And just like, it's cool. <laughs> I, I really like it moves in a way that people can't move. Yes. Yeah. Like, thank you for describing animation, Billy. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into the world of reboot in just a sec. I did want to share a little bit more about mainframe entertainment. They went through some ownership changes, but they're back being mainframe entertainment now. Not only did they create Reboot, they also created Beast Wars, which was another big CGI series that was popular in Canada. And they also produced a lot of the the Barbie film series. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and they're doing like some of the new Barbie series. They didn't do Life in the Dreamhouse, which is hilarious, but they, they've been doing some of the newer Barbie stuff. Um, I also wanted to share... There's a really cool BuzzFeed article, actually. I was looking through BuzzFeed to see if there were any fun character quizzes, but uh, they didn't have that, but they did have an article by Matthew Brega called How Reboot Predicted the Future But Got Left Behind. And it's kind of basically documenting the struggles of mainframe, ent- 
mainframe entertainment like they started out being this really pioneering studio that was gonna like take on disney and be like the 3d guys but they kind of hit some some bumps along the way in terms of like trying to find a good script to produce and stuff but um anywho they uh just this is just a fun paragraph about what it was like to work on reboot those who worked on reboot did a little bit of everything the person who set up the camera on a particular scene might also handle the lighting a director might notice a scene was missing a building or tree and have to model it themselves there wasn't the sort of specialization that exists in the industry now. Everyone was a generalist, and it was technical, time-consuming work. It was not even reinventing a wheel, said Scott Spears, a director at Mainframe from 1993 to 2001, who's now head of production at the Montreal office of the visual effects company MPC. It was trying to invent a wheel while the car was going down the hill, or build the car as you're driving it. But you're not just driving it, you're in a race, and you have to get to the finish line before anybody else. <laughs> Which... Is like that. a really great image and just yeah like what a what a wild place to be on like the cusp of 3d animation in this like canadian studio creating a a truly a truly original concept and yeah i think hubert i'll toss it over to you tell us what reboot's all about oh man well there's a fantastic preamble at the beginning of every episode that kind of tries to bring you into the world of reboot i come from the net through systems peoples and cities to this place mainframe my format guardian to mend and defend but it takes i think it takes watching a few episodes to really understand what's going on uh but it, there, there's just so many layers of it but the short form of it is is the premise is that you're inside of a computer well you're not inside of a computer you're on the couch watching tv <laughs> watching the show uh but and this is the, the concept the of watching inside TV. the computer <laughs> unless you're watching it on a, on a computer and then it gets well you're, i guess you're watching it on a computer chair and you're on the computer well, watching just, a show about being anymore. in the computer <laughs> and it gets kind of meta okay so let's back it up so, well, what if I'm watching it on an iPad? Oh, man. Oh, fuck. Uh, reboot. I, I think it's supposed to take place inside of a person's computer. So so all the jokes that are written in the show are, are trying to reference uh, a bunch of tech jargon, I guess. A major surge of goons showed up at the diner and started to completely offline the place. I mean, jack out, crash, crunch, backslash, delete, trash, log off. Enzo. What? I think Bob gets the picture. So they made uh, the main character, whose name is Bob, come in through the net, and he he was like the guardian or the antivirus who came to Mainframe to to save Mainframe from viruses and stuff like that. So all the characters that he meets are all names or have names that like relate to either hardware or software. There's like Hack and Slash and uh, uh, Dot Matrix and and all these names. Well, and that's the funny thing too is like. I feel like you do have the techie names, and then just like the the hero's name is just Bob. It's just Bob. <laughs> does does Bob stand for anything? I I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh God, Who's Bob. People with names <laughs> oh like email or Rob Cursor or Pixel. <laughs> this is my friend. Ask Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bing. So they so they try to like reference a bunch of. Uh, specific computer things like if something happens to you you become a null and you turn into this like little slimy creature that just crawls around and so the characters are portrayed as like having actual bodies and and there's physics like there's gravity and everything 
But then there's also like this overlaid system of like they can just open up windows that just look like old Windows 95 windows and they can send each other things or walk through them just to teleport places. It's wild. So what will happen in this computer system is the user will load up games. Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. And you can tell a game's loading up when you see this giant purple cube just kind of descending from the sky and they call it a GameCube. And the only way you can get into the game is to be underneath the GameCube when it drops. If it drops and you're not in it, you can't be in the game. And so the user loads up these games to play them, but if, if the user loads it up and then wins, if the computer doesn't win but the user wins, then that part of mainframe just gets deleted. That part of the city just gets like obliterated. Everybody gets turned into nulls. So I, I don't know who this user is, but he doesn't seem to care about his computer very much. Yeah, like, I, I that was one thing I found in the reception of this show. It's like, people were, like, extremely confused by the, by the idea that playing computer games just destroys your computer. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob the Guardian and his friends, usually Enzo and his sister Dot Matrix, they jump into these games to try to beat the user so that nothing bad happens to mainframe. And then later, after season two... Uh, the guys making the show got a budget upgrade or something, and they also got better hardware to make better CGI. So they were like, screw it, we're going to go to the net. We're going to leave mainframe and see what happens. So what happens in the plot is uh, Megabyte, I think, betrays Bob and kicks him out to the net. So he's just gone out of the picture. Bob's gone. Uh, so Enzo takes his place as the guardian, but he's just a kid, so he doesn't know what he's doing. So he loses in a video game, and... What happens when you lose in the in the video game of this show is you get trapped in it and you get sucked out of the system and you travel the net inside this GameCube going from system to system. And that's where the, the big time warp happens and we and we fast forward and Enzo's all grown up and now he's this tough rogue guy with like a scars and, and, and uh, you know he's now he's got a gun, he's super cool. Yeah. He goes from like tiny boy to like just buff large buff man <laughs> yeah he becomes a big biker dude and uh and the graphics of the show dramatically improve at that point like it be, it's kind of weird like you know how you get a new game system and or like oh the graphics are so great on this new game system well having that happen with a tv show is kind of bizarre because you're like wait this is different than it was before but i, and I can see so much more there's so many pixels Hubert, more for did me you to know see. that there's a reboot reboot oh no you mean the live action reboot reboot yeah, there's like, okay, so there is a reboot reboot. It's called Reboot the Guardian Code. It's like a weird, yeah, it's like a live action, partly CGI uh, series. And I don't know that it's been that well received. There's like real teens and they go into the digital world or something. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the charm is gone now that the animation is so much better. <laughs> I mean, I did find an article that's called Reboot the Guardian Code's Tribute Episode is a Failure. So uh... yeah, there's also a watchmojo.com video called Top 10 2018 Reboot Reboot Fails, <laughs> which is a Thanks, very, very confusing title. Can always count on you. I was taking a look at the cast. And there, there's a couple of prominent people in the cast. Uh, one of them was uh, Dot was voiced by Kathleen Barr, who played the characters of Kevin and Marie Kanker and Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Um, she also was Rudolph in Rudolph and the Island of Misfit Toys, which oh. you want to talk about bad CGI movies. 
<laughs> it's a that's a classic one. It has probably my favorite scene in any children's movie I've ever seen, where they go to the island of misfit toys, and one of the misfit toys is a piggy bank with no uh, no slot, like no way to actually put money inside. <laughs> the poor piggy bank at one point is just like, I'm all empty inside. I need change. <laughs> it's just like, if that's not a mood for everybody, I don't know. <laughs> so existential. <laughs> this is 2020. Yes, this is 2020. Like the, the, the pig in uh, the, the misfit pig called it. But <laughs> I am a misfit pig in 2020. But my favorite find in the cast was Megabyte. It was voiced by Tony J, who has tons and tons of voice and acting credits, probably best known as Minister Frollo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Why, yes, it is. Young Enzo Matrix, home from the games. My, how you've grown. So, classic villainy voice coming back You know I am a righteous man. (laughs) That man's got some pipes. Yeah, yeah. No, Tony J's got a got a good voice and he he yeah, he voices reboots villain. Very cool. Villainous voices. So moving along to the return of one of our favorite segments in CanCon commercial break, does it have a change.org petition? Um, one fan in particular has started three different petitions <laughs> related to reboot. It's not me, I promise. No, it's not you. It's somebody named Bernadette Winder. And the three petitions are reboot season four, third movie, because they left on a cliffhanger and I love to see more episodes. Also, we need the reboot season four, the third movie to show Rainmaker the original creators still have their fan base and support. It will make the original fans very, very happy. I love this show so much and it deserves a resolution of the cliffhanger. It's been 18 years since it ended and now it's time to reboot or get it done for the fans. Uh, 173 people signed it, so a pretty impressive compared to our other change.org stats. Mm-hmm. Um, her other two petitions are, let's get the original reboot reruns on YTV again. Uh, let's get the original reboot reruns on YTV again because YTV has now bad shows on it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thir- only 13 people signed that one. Um, although a lot of people, the people in the comments are like, please bring back reboot. Interestingly, she, the third petition is let's make a second season of reboot guardian code. Uh, let's make a second season of reboot guardian code. And they left it on a cliffhanger. Even I want in the second season of reboot guardian code that guardians should have key tools and code to reboot. Also, they should have guardian Bob in it as a mentor. Please sign this petition. Um, and yeah, only nine people signed that one. But I think my favorite give... variety of petition are ones that are very specific about the plot. Yeah, bring it yeah, back. Let's but bring only the show under back, but terms. only on this way. Yeah, but you have to do it this way. You have to introduce what was that sticking around character? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I don't. It's like a character name. named Reggie or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, you got yeah, it. You, you got to bring her in. Character. My OC has to be her. in the show, please. Yeah, you have like, to follow much. my Wattpad fanfiction to a T. <laughs> um, before we close, I do want to share some reviews. Um, I found some really fun reviews. Reboot is very well loved. Um, so all the reviews I have are, are quite positive. 
but they were a lot of fun. These are all from IMDb. This one is called I Love This Show by Max Vaughn 29 from March 2002. I confess, I am a reboot junkie. I have no clue why I like this show, considering that I'm opposed to the overused element in element of cgi and animation today yet something about reboot keeps my attention when i first started watching i was still in elementary school and i liked being able to name all the movies the show was doing parodies of a few years passed and i forgot about it until the reruns aired on cartoon network then the plot new episodes became more dramatic and i couldn't stop watching the characters are likable and the battle between virus and guardians is a great hook someone once said reboot is what tron should have been <laughs> You know that someone, classic uh, classic quote? Yeah. I don't know who, you know, but they definitely yeah. said that. As they yes. say. As a great man once said, reboot is what Tron should have been. Write <laughs> that on my grave soon. A great show. This review is by Solid Snake 8706 from September oh 2000. Thanks, Solid Snake. Yeah. Thanks. Once in a while, a really great show will come along. This is one of the them. <laughs> The show. <laughs> they were really the trying was... for like a really good dramatic info. I know. <laughs> just, just a good intro. The then, the show is about people who live inside computers. The sprites, binomes, and guardians do battle with viruses, code masters, and many other computer-associated enemies. The first season and part of the second had simpler plots, goofy sound effects, corny jokes, and very mild violence. But as the show went on, the show got more complex. The goofy sound effects disappeared, the jokes were funnier, and the action increased. Also, there are many inside jokes in the show that you should look for. The episodes of the later seasons will keep you on the edge of your seat, waiting to see what will happen next. This is also a unique cartoon because as the show went on, the characters changed. <laughs> That's just the end of the review. It's just changed in all caps. This is, this is one of my favorite titles I've ever seen in a review. 32 years old and got impressed by <laughs> MAP uh, July MAP 36 uh, July 1999 We only saw seasons 2 and 3 of Reboot in Argentina, but it's enough to really love the show. The boys from Canada really know how to work on a silicon graphics workstation. Dude, for the boys. The story <laughs> for, for the boys. The story is original. The inner world inside a computer connected to the web is something new. All of you should have some computer knowledge to understand some jokes and the well-chosen names for everything in mainframe. As a developer and computer fan, I'm still shocked with such a big story. Man, I have such a relationship with this show. It was like the first uh, piece of Canadian animated content that I'd seen. Uh, before that, like I, I, I moved from Poland here, and before that, all I saw was some cartoon network stuff like two stupid dogs or powerpuff girls that was dubbed and i saw that in poland and then this was the first show that i saw when i came to canada somebody sat me in front of the tv and they're like oh this is ytv here it is it's for kids and i flick it on and uh it just happens to be the most dramatic episode where like everything happens to bob and like the whole plot gets turned upside down the dramatic betrayal and the time change happened, and I'm I'm just sitting there. Well, what's going on? Everybody's three dimensional, and so many things are happening. I can't I can't comprehend what's going on. And what's going on to that guy? What's the plot doing? Welcome and to like, Canada. I'm just trying to piece everything together, having no framework of like anything existing. And I just thought all of Canadian TV was that wild for kids, and I had no idea how to what to make like heads and tails of this. Everything was just at the same time. Wow. I, I love hearing people who had like really good relationships with the show because my only relationship with it was 
Um, we were with our cousins one time, and they were watching it, and I don't fully know if this is accurate, but I remember like seeing part of it, and there was a scene with a buzzsaw, and it made me very, very scared. <laughs> oh no, Tiny Jody! It was just like these, again, like graphics that you couldn't comprehend, because like nothing else looked like that mm-hmm. when you're a kid, and you're like, whoa, what is this? And then there was like a very scary buzzsaw, and I was like, oh, I don't like it. And you're sure you're not thinking of the War Amps, uh, the War Amps <laughs> ad, right? I can, I can put, put my arm, put my back, arm back, on. back on. You can't. <laughs> yeah, that's next week's CanCon. It's just the War yes. Amps ad. Hubert, knowing that you have this this special connection to Reboot, I think you might like the last review. Um, it's called Don't You Get It? Uh, to give a little bit more of an intro, zero out of seven found this review helpful. Helpfully. <laughs> First, let me tell you my spelling is not correct, but what I want to put across is my idea. I hope is understandable. What a great idea, this show. Don't you get it? The show is life itself. You have to see this show between the lines. Its contents is so provocative that ABC canceled it after two seasons. But this show will only be understood by people who understand the reality of life. I'm going to explain. I hope you understand. It's like this. In reality, you were first a soul, not who you are now in your body. You originally were a soul, therefore that's the first reality. Follow so far? Now, your soul decides to go alive at any period of time and any place your soul wants in order to meet the challenges your soul needs to evolve. Get it? This show shows that with symbols and clues for people who knows this. Like this. All the characters are in the spirit world, and when a game comes in, the ones that went inside have to accomplish the level in order to stay alive. And the game can be anything, at any period, in any place. Race car driver, cowboy, just like life. Get it? <laughs> when in the TV show, a game comes in, it's just like when your soul goes in the game of life. Like in the movie Dark City. Same concept. At midnight, everyone sleeps, meaning they die and wake up being someone completely different. Don't you get it? <laughs> These films are symbolic, but the average person is so hopelessly dependent on their reality that they can't accept this. It's all real, but symbolic. The Matrix, Dark City, Reboot, The Game, Wake Up Readers, Study and Ask Yourself the Ultimate Question, Why Are We Here? Stop shopping so obsessively. Stop talking about people. Stop watching dumb TV. Stop now all these things keep you from your real purpose accomplish this level (laughs) oh man oh geez i feel like that was written by the love child of l ron hubbard and tommy wazo or something you've got like all that weird sci-fi new age like thetan weird stuff and then you've got like this impassioned plea for humanity like if everybody love each other the world would be a better place (laughs) <laughs> it would be a better place. Yeah, it's uh, somebody somebody uploaded L. Ron Hubbard and uh, Tommy was owed to the mainframe, and this is what it spat out. So so that's reboot. It's uh, it's just like real life. Um, it's uh, it was the the pioneer pioneer TV show of mainframe entertainment. Super fun. I think I think a good bunch of it's on Tubi. Like I think a lot of it's on Tubi, which is our favorite trash free trash streaming site so good there's some real gems on there amidst the c and d and e movies um it's just like uh, real life except for the characters don't move like in real life that's true (laughs) that's true hubert uh the 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 reviewer should have talked to that one kid from the la times like that kid would have told him what's up it's not real life 
so they don't move like you can in real life. But yeah, reboot. It's a wild time. So meditation isn't your thing. That's okay because there is nothing more inspirational than the classics. When Paul McCartney wrote yesterday, the first lyrics were actually scrambled eggs. When we first come back from the break, Lily's hanging out with Travis, still trying to think of things. He's like, Lily, sometimes you just got to get inspired by the classics. And he starts talking about the Beatles, but he's fully playing I'm Not Supposed to Think of You Anymore by Paper Moon. <laughs> he like flicks, flicks on his CD player. and um, But he's talking about the classic like, oh, when Paul McCartney was writing yesterday, it started out as a song about his breakfast and it was scrambled eggs or whatever. And he starts to improv, like, a lyric about a dog. And, like, Lily kind of gets on that. And they go back and forth. And they end up writing, like, one stanza about a stinky dog. And Lily's like, yes, this is it. <laughs> and she's like, all right, I'm going to write a song now. And Travis is like, okay, I'll see you at Mickey's. And it's like, wait, when is this When is this song competition supposed to be happening? <laughs> oh, no. You know, speaking of the War of 1812, I was reading an interesting piece on Rogers Rangers. The fascinating... Please. I hear enough people butcher history in class. I do not need it in my off time. Father! I'm just saying, Kimberly, relax. Then we go back to the restaurant, and, oh, it is such a nightmare. Robbie is, like, trying to break the ice with Kim's dad by being like, Oh, speaking of the War of 1812, blah, blah, blah. And then the doctor's like, oh, I don't want to talk about work at dinner because I have to listen to stupid undergrads all day. And so completely shutting Robbie down. And Kim's like, father? And he's like, what, Kimberly, please? Like, it's just so formal and ugh, gross. And then for some reason, River Pierce is there. <laughs> This smarmy asshole just kind of shows up at this cheap restaurant and um, he's very warmly greeted. In fact, we go for like, I guess, the commercial break and we come back like Dr. Carlisle is like fully hugging him, patting on the um, on the back, super happy to see him. And he ends up River ends up joining the crew because Robbie tries to cover by insisting that it's not a date. And of course, the dad is just like, well, if it's not a date, then River should sit down. And uh, it's just it's awful. It's a whole thing where uh, River's like, oh, well, I've been thinking of going to Harvard. I do love the War of 1812. And then the doctor's like, oh, well, let me tell you about this one battle. And it just, it just sucks. <laughs> it just sucks. Also, River's tie is so loose, and it bothers me that he can be so sloppy in this context. Oh, he is sloppy. Oh, he's a sloppy boy. He's a sloppy, smarmy asshole. And he sucks. And this 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 dinner would be hell. Like, good God. <laughs> Just the most bland restaurant drinking finger water while trying to impress <laughs> somebody who only likes the War of 1812, but you're not allowed <laughs> to talk about the War of 1812. <laughs> it sounds like a it sounds like a bad text adventure game. Like you're in a you're in a cheap restaurant. There are no exits. You have a bowl of finger water. You must, <laughs> you must not talk about the war of eighteen twelve. Throw baby. In your inventory you have a pocketbook guide of the war of eighteen twelve, but you must never use it. Yes. Do I smell a new single? I'd love to hear it. It's still really rough. I will be the judge of that. Wait, come give on. that back. Nah, come on. So over at Mickey's, Grace and Ray are playing Thumb Wars and being all cute and stuff. 
Travis settles in to uh, listen to some CDs, and then Lily comes in with a, I guess, a CD that she's burned of her of her new song. I don't know if it's about the stinky dog, but she's got a song anyway. And she comes in, and she looks super glum after noticing uh, Ray and Grace. And she's about to turn around and leave, but Travis spots her and says, you know, and pulls her over to listen to the new song. And Ray and Grace are like, oh, we'd love to listen to it. And so they pop it into a CD listening station, and they listen to the song. And they're like, oh, this sounds just like the Blow Pops. And it turns out that Lily's unintentionally ripped off an existing song. And now she feels like major poo and she rips the cd out of the listening station and leaves and i don't know there was just something heartwarming about seeing like a cd listening station yeah right that's it i've had enough excuse me robbie please now's not the time to defend rfr i'm not gonna defend rfr then we go back to dinner and dinner is continuing to be awful because also, Dr. Carlyle started to make some weird digs at Kim. When River mentioned he was go- planning to go to Harvard, Dr. Carlyle's like, well, Kim's going to have to start hitting the books. And Robbie's like, Kim's a straight-A student. And then, like, they're talking about Cougar Radio, and Dr. Carlyle's like, River, you add so much to Cougar Radio. And Kim's, like, kind of like, what the fuck, man? And uh, In those Robbie's like, <laughs> yes, yeah, she turns to her, her stern father and says, what the fuck, father? Um... <laughs> Robbie Robbie eventually just can't take it anymore. Kim's worried he's going to be defending RFR, but that's not what Robbie's getting upset about. Robbie's upset because, you know, Kim works really hard and she, you know, she's runs like a really professional ship and she does really well at school and he doesn't like the way that her dad's kind of digging at her. So he sort of gives this impassioned speech about, you know, he put in all this work to to meet him and he's just not appreciative of his effort. He's not appreciative of his daughter's effort. And he basically kind of says to him, you know, if you don't appreciate your your daughter more, she's not going to come back when she goes to Harvard. And with that, uh, he kind of stands up and leaves with, like, the amount of guff, the, <laughs> the amount of bravado of this, like, the the strength of this, like, tiny 14-year-old boy to stand up to this, like, adult who he's never met before and he, he just stands up for Kim and leaves. And Kim looks kind of, like, happy for a second. But then, like, you know, she's quickly kind of putting her head in her hands. Her dad's looking around super uncomfortable. <laughs> River doesn't give a fuck. He kind of looks over at the cake tray. He's like, anyone for dessert? <laughs> Lily's hanging out on the stairs, kind of listening to music and being all sad. Ray approaches her and says, you know, he tried to call her last night. And she says, oh, you know, I was just listening to see what other songs I could rip off. And Ray reassures her and says, you know what, you've got this. Like, you know, you've just got to, you've got to write from your heart. You know, Shady Lane can do it. And she's like, but that's Shady Lane. And Ray basically tells her, you know, write about what's important to you. And hey, you can still write about me if you want. And Lily kind of takes a little bit to consider, consider what Ray's saying. And she thanks him for his advice and... You can you can see in her face she's like gonna she is probably gonna end up writing something about Ray. I wasn't trying to make you mad. It's just that if I had to listen to your dad pick on you in that pompous know-it-all sort of way, that pompous know-it-all is right behind me, isn't he? Robbie's got a classic bag of Doritos. He comes over to hang out with Kim. And classic Robbie asks, in his bag of Doritos. Classic Robbie. Classic Robbie. And. Uh, he goes over to talk to Kim about how things went, and 
she was feeling she's still feeling super awkward around her dad and Robbie says you know I'm sorry but I just couldn't let him keep picking on you and Kim's like Mwah. and then like you see her face slowly turn to horror as it turns out uh, Kim's dad is right behind Robbie's just as he's ca- caused just as he's called him a pompous jerk but it turns out Kim's dad is there to you know let Robbie know that you know what he actually likes him and that it was really brave what he did uh standing up to to defend Kim and that Kim means a lot to Dr. Carlisle and clearly Robbie is somebody who who cares deeply about Kim as well and it's it's really cute like they end up kind of making up and getting along and you know they shake hands and Robbie gets Dorito dust all over him where's the finger bowl when you need it So yeah, that's that's kind of our main plot resolved. And then our final scene of the episode is Lily strumming away. Again, sitting on the staircase. So <laughs> I'm just picturing this like girl sprawled out, like all her shits everywhere, just strumming on the staircase, and everybody's like, I, I have to I have to go. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and uh She's uh, strumming away, looking at one of those classic, like, photo booth pictures of her and Ray and being like, this one's for you, Ray. So I guess we'll find out what her what her magnum opus composition is going to be in a future episode. Yeah, it's a very, very um, sweet end to the Robbie and Kim plotline for this episode. And uh, a very frustrating, once again, just pack of teens blocking this stairwell and also... I don't oh. think you can just sit there and play a guitar in the hallway. Yeah, I'm surprised Principal Waller isn't all over this. Yeah. Like there's been a few there's definitely been some like he's getting a bit lax, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I uh, I really appreciate the fact that we got to see the payoff of Chekhov's finger bowl. Yes. <laughs> yes, Chekhov's finger bowl. Yeah, it's it's a legitimately very cute joke. And yeah. I I had I had totally forgotten about the Dorito joke when I made that comment about Doritos earlier, but man, Dorito finger bowl. There it is. It's... Robbie gets it. Yeah, Dorito finger bowl is also a good band name. I think Doritos hit us up. We got some ideas for you. This one's for you, Ray. Let's pop over to Mickey's discs. So. Uh, according to RadioFreeRoscoe4.tribe.com, uh, songs featured in this episode include My Best by Girl Nobody, Between the Lines by Billy and the Lost Boys, They by Jem, I've Done It Wrong Again by Paper Moon, and The Girlfriend Sweater by Sinclair. I'm sorry, so sorry, I'm sorry, like- the song They by Jem plays as Lily is trying to figure out her shit and write a song. Jem is a Welsh singer, songwriter, and record producer. Born and raised in Penarth, Wales, she began songwriting at at an early age. After graduating from university in 1996, she worked as a DJ as well as co-founder of of record label Marine Parade in Brighton. By 2002, she was focused heavily on writing and singing her own songs, collaborating with, with various producers in the United States such as Guy Sigsworth, Yod Nevo, and G Ology. That's G E dash Ology. To help create would become her debut studio album, Finally Woken, which was released in 2004. And that is what the song They is from. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us on the pod, Hubert. It's been a podtastic time. Thanks for having me. If you're not already, you can follow us on social media. You can find us at Podcast Free Roscoe on Facebook and Instagram or Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. You can also send us an email at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com if you enjoy sending emails. If that's a if that's a pastime of yours, feel free to send us an email. You can also um, If you're record... Travis and all you do is send emails. Yes, true. Yeah, send us craft us one of your amazing emails and send it our way. And if you want, you can record yourself. Just, you know, sharing your thoughts and we'll we'll put it on the air. Make them thoughts about the show though. Not just like <laughs> This is what I have for dinner. <laughs> and we say, okay, that's nice. Thank you. Bye-bye. And tell us how you eat your Cheetos. Yes. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Call and tell us how you eat your Cheetos. <laughs> if you ever drank from a finger bowl, call in now. Operators are standing by. Yes. You may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> so for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off. <laughs> <laughs>